What is going on, everybody out there? It is a beautiful Wednesday here in eastern Pennsylvania. Coming at you live, this is Cole Haight, and this is another episode of the All In Man Cave podcast. Uh, this is our injuries, fantasy football, and some news updates. And as per the usual, I will give you the best bets for the Thursday night football game. If anybody knows anything, and I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there from Pennsylvania in general or even in my local area, there's two things that Pennsylvania is good for, and that's weather that is completely ridiculous and it changes, and the roads are absolutely terrible. And I can concur that 100% of that is true. So I hope everybody's enjoying their midweek Uh, Wednesday, uh, we're getting closer to the weekend. A lot of people out there, uh, avid football fans of whatever football team or any sports team, uh, when your team's not playing, more specifically to the NFL, since every other sport has a lot more more than 17 games in a season. But uh, the Vikings have a bye week this week. A lot of people dislike when their teams have a bye week. The way I look at it is my team can't lose, and it's still an action-packed slate. Uh, for this week in terms of the NFL. So we've got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, We're going to start with injuries. Uh, Like I've mentioned previously, I'd like to go over a lot of impact players in terms of injuries, and that'll affect fantasy football and your fantasy teams as well. So let's hop right in and go over some of the injuries we saw after the week six games last week. So first, we're going to start with Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt, calf injury, taken out of the game late in the second half. He was put on IR. Nick Chubb, also with a calf injury, did not play this week. So they're going to be very depleted in Cleveland. They play on the Thursday night game uh, tomorrow against the Denver Broncos. So... It's going to be Denver's got a really good defense. Uh, Cleveland's going to be depleted not only at the running back position because they may be forced to start uh, Dearness Johnson. So uh, we don't know what to expect from him. Uh, but with Kareem Hunt on IR and nobody knows right now, I was looking for a lot of updates on Nick Chubb. And uh, he didn't play any snaps last week. Uh, doesn't look like he's doing much of anything in practice this week so far. So they're going to be completely depleted. Uh, and that is a very good transition into our next player, Baker Mayfield. Uh, there were reports out there that Baker had a minor a minor tear and his, his left labrum. Uh, that is completely torn now via a hit by J.J. Watt. Seems like J.J. Watt's always involved in injuries uh, or causing them with his hits. Obviously not malicious. J.J. Watt, stand-up guy, uh, does a lot for the community. He's been a great player and a great teammate uh, for both teams that he played for in his career via the uh, Broncos, uh, sorry, not the Broncos, so, uh, the Texans. And the Cardinals. So Baker Mayfield, torn labrum. He will not play on Thursday night football, uh, which means Case Keenum will start for the Cleveland Browns uh, against the Denver Broncos on Thursday night football, which I will give you the best bets at the end of this episode. But that game is going to be completely flip-flopped of what we would have expected uh, if both teams were completely healthy. Uh, and throughout the episode, we're going to give I'm going to give multiple updates on multiple players uh, on both of those teams. So sit tight, and we'll get there. Uh, but another player, let's move on. Uh, Kadarius Tony uh, performing amazingly. Uh, the rookie out of Florida 
The Giants have been completely depleted in terms of injuries, not only to their wide receiving core, which is the biggest problem. Uh, Their backups are getting hurt, put on IR. Kenny Galladay still dinged up. Sterling Shepard came back. He looks okay. We haven't seen anything from Darius Slayton via last week, uh, and I have no updates on him right now as of right now. So the Giants right now seem like a train wreck, and this is this. he looked great against the Cowboys in that game. Uh, there was nobody else in the game besides Evan Ingram that Mike Glennon could could find uh, via Daniel Jones injury in that game. So Kadarius Tony, great player. I like what I see from him. Seems a little feisty. Uh, he did get kicked out of the game for throwing a punch. So he's going to learn. Uh, he's a rookie. He's going to learn the things you can and cannot do in the NFL and what you can get away with in terms of the rules, in terms of on field with referees and what have you. So let's keep an eye on that. The Giants... They don't look good right now, uh, and Daniel Jones is in on an extreme hot seat, as well as their head coach, Joe Judge. Uh, they're both on hot seats right now, so I've been talking uh, to exhaustion about Daniel Jones and what I think should happen with him in terms of a decision being made, in terms of not only him starting, but also him getting signed to a, a deal. So uh, there's a lot of questions that Daniel Jones needs to answer. Uh, He's had a lot of bad games and a few good games so far this season. So right now it's not looking good for him. Uh, Let's go a little bit farther to the West. Uh, The Indianapolis Colts, two big hits this weekend in their big win against the Texans, if you would like to consider beating the Texans a big win. But... Paris Campbell, I feel for the man, Uh, standout wide receiver at Ohio State, Uh, great wide receiver, great hands, huge amounts of speed. Uh, It almost looks like he flips himself into turbo on some of these go routes, caught a big touchdown pass, injured his foot on that play. They placed him on IR. It looks like as of right now, he may need surgery on his foot, and if he receives that surgery... And, and everything expected goes to plan. He will be out for the rest of the season. He has played 14 games in three years, uh, all injury-related and all very weird injuries. He broke his hand. Uh, he had an MCL-PCL issue, issue uh, uh, in his past year or two. Uh, that seemed to linger a bit longer than uh, an MCL or a PCL usually would heal in, so that was a problem for him already. And I mentioned this after the after week six ended. I mentioned in the recap segment about T.Y. Hilton coming back and then getting re-injured. We have good news about T.Y. Hilton. Uh, he did leave the game with a quad injury. People were saying we got to kind of figure out or see how he responds in terms of earlier this week in terms of practice. He looks good right now. Frank Reich said uh, it's do, he's doing a lot better than expected with the quad injury, so keep an eye on that. If you guys had picked up T.Y. and stashed him on your fantasy football teams on the in the IR slot, uh, so it looks like he's questionable as of right now. Uh, since he's doing better, keep an eye on him as it gets closer to the end of the week uh, via Thursday night or Friday. Keep an update um, or at least see the updates on the injury report to see if he's fully participating in practice or if he's limited. Uh, game time decision, that would be extremely hard to make that call if he's going to play or not. We saw something similar. In terms of Terry McLaurin, we'll get to we'll get to Terry McLaurin in a minute, but 
No, actually, let's just hop right in. Terry McLaurin uh, for the Washington football team, dinged up. He, lo- he looked like he was a game-time decision, even though it wasn't labeled as such uh, via the internet uh, and via the NFL. Terry McLaurin didn't look right in the game against the Chiefs. Uh, they didn't have anything going on offense. So t- Terry McLaurin, if he's if he's trying to play through the injury, it's going to be a problem. Uh, it, it's not something that you can usually just fight through, and it's very hard to fight through injuries, especially when they are directly related to what position you play, like wide receiver and your legs. So it's really hard for that man who is basically dependent on his route running and his catch radius uh, for half of those things to be gone. A little bit difficult, uh, especially to put up statistics that you guys need for fantasy football. So Terry McLaurin, huge question mark going into this week. Next, Terrace Marshall Jr. uh, took a big hit in the game against the Minnesota Vikings, uh, was ruled out with a concussion. Uh, Most of these concussion-related injuries all depend on one thing, uh, and that one thing is um, can you play can you clear the protocol uh, via the NFL? They have a, a very specific protocol that you need to follow in terms of coming back from a concussion. We saw this with Teddy Bridgewater a few weeks ago. It, it's ve- you, you need to get back to practice. You need to be able to pass all the tests. And then at that point, it's then a mental game as if or if you can perform after receiving that concussion so as a wide receiver it's a little more difficult he's going to be scared to run routes over the middle where he's very successful and was at LSU and for the Carolina Panthers so Terrace Marshall we'll see like I said just previously keep an eye on the injury report see what it says for him in terms of how he's participating at practice if he's allowed to and what the situation is in terms of that so just, just keep an eye open. We did not. I did not discuss this because it did not break until at right after I released the recap episode on Monday afternoon. But Patrick Peterson, the cornerback for the Minnesota Vikings, will be placed on IR. Uh, there was some misrepresentation in terms of his injury during the game. Uh, that's why I didn't feel the need to follow up because it was it was said that he was having cramps. And extreme cramps to the point where he could not come back into the game. It happens. Uh, it's hard to imagine as a non a non football player to think that having cramps in your legs is a reason for you to not play. Nor is it easy to fix like very quickly. But Patrick Peterson hamstring issue. Uh, they interviewed him, said that he was in extreme pain, and it felt like he got shot. Uh, from below the waist. So Patrick Peterson on IR, he will miss at least the next three games, uh, which is huge considering the next three games are the three hardest games on the Vikings schedule, being that at home against the Dallas Cowboys on Halloween, then at Baltimore and at the LA Chargers. So it's going to be huge for the Vikings secondary to perform without him. Uh, They may or may not go out and pick up um, a quarterback to take his spot, although they do have five quarterbacks on the roster right now, so not a huge deal, but uh, you can't really just replace Patrick Peterson. Uh, He's an all-pro. He's a great veteran presence, and he was playing at a very high level uh, before he got injured. One more for the direct injuries. Uh, After following week 
six. I didn't discuss this one either, but it's very needs to be noted. Christian McCaffrey hamstring placed back on IR after he just came off of IR. Um, actually, basically, I'm saying that, but they didn't officially put him on IR. They should have because now it's been lingering. Uh, and now his roster spot has been taken up for the past three weeks, and now they can try and figure out something or some way to get through this without him. But it's a huge problem because the organization needs to notice that Christian McCaffrey is going to be out for three weeks. He was clearly going to be with the hamstring issue, so I don't know why he wasn't placed on IR. Then they went. They could have went out and picked up somebody to either replace him or fix some other hole on that roster so that they could get through in some other type of way. Chuba Hubbard, very good replacement. Uh, great running back out of college. He's a rookie, but he, he runs hard. He plays well, so they should be okay. There's no possible way to replace Christian McCaffrey's production on the field, I don't think, uh, unless they found out a way to get Derrick Henry and borrow him for a few weeks, which is obviously impossible, but I'm just bringing it up because that's the only option that you could try and replace that kind of production. And even then, you wouldn't be able to replace the production from for catching the football as a running back out of the backfield. Uh, I threw a few of these players out here. It's a few that have been injured that may be on their way back with a few updates. Uh, and also a few that I'm just like, I'm not really surprised. So we have a few more on here. Michael Thomas uh, with the ankle. He was on the pup, the pup list. Uh, so if you're on the pup list, uh, for all of you that do not know about the physically unable to perform slash pup, pup list, he would be available to come back this week. It doesn't seem like that is anywhere close to possible. Uh, it seems like via Sean Payton that he is still a few weeks away from coming back. So uh, for all the people out there that may have stashed Michael Thomas uh, on IR, you're going to be waiting a few more weeks for your fantasy football team for him to come back and play. Uh, so keep continuing to hammer Marquez Callaway uh, and some of those other Saints receivers and tight ends, uh, at least until you have any idea when Michael Thomas will return. Next, Jerry Judy had an ankle injury, been, has been out the last few weeks. Uh, this Vic Fangio came out and spoke, saying that there's a less than 50% chance that he plays this week. If that's the case, there's probably no way that Vic Fangio is going to play him unless he's closer to 85-90%. Uh, and they have a lot of weapons that are very underrated on that on that uh, in that sorry I should say in that Broncos wide receiver room. So uh, Cortland Sutton's been playing well. Tim Patrick's been playing well. Noah Fant's been playing well. So they have a lot of players that can absorb his targets. Uh, but getting Jerry Judy back for Teddy Bridgewater is going to be huge if the Broncos want to con continue to contend in that AFC West, which is up in the air, and all of the every team has been playing well in at least one aspect. Next on the list, Antonio Gibson dinged up. Uh, had an MRI. He's got a shin issue. Uh, he's doubtful this week. So a lot of things. They have a rookie running back and a few running backs I'm not even aware of on that roster. And J.D. McKissick is also there to absorb some of those passing targets as well as some sweeps uh, and some pitches outside. J.D. McKissick, not a huge target. Uh, I would compare. His comparable is probably like Deion Lewis or James White. 
similar to those players in terms of fantasy football. Uh, people used to be able to get away with starting James White. Uh, even though he wasn't a starting running back, he would absorb a lot of Tom Brady dump-offs, which in a PPR league would get you to a point level where an RB1 or a high-end RB2 would get you to. So uh, keep an eye, keep an eye out for who's going to replace Antonio Gibson in that starting running back role. Although remember that with J.D. McKissick on the roster, there, you're still going to deal with uh, a 50, probably a close to 50 50% each uh, play share in terms of offensive plays on the field. So uh, keep that in mind just moving forward. The next one I just need to bring up because I like everybody said that this wasn't a thing and I've been hammering this the whole time. Uh, Julio Jones is hurt again. Is anybody surprised? He has had little to zero production on a team where I knew that he wasn't going to get production from. I did make a very ballsy statement in the divisional recaps who I thought was going to perform well at the beginning of the season. Ryan Tannehill doesn't look like he wants any type of – he doesn't want any type of responsibility for throwing the ball more than 25 times. Uh, And Derrick Henry is just carrying that team. So – it, Julio Jones is has been injured, I think, maybe with minor injuries three times already in the first seven weeks. He's got a hamstring injury again. They're going to say he doesn't practice. He's going to end up playing. Fantasy football owners of him are going to end up starting him and end up getting zero points. So stay away from Julio Jones. That's the only thing I can say. If you have him in fantasy, I don't see him making any sort of huge impact, uh, especially when he's going to continue to be dinged up and try and play football. He had one decent catch, and it was lucky in the Monday night game against the Bills where it hit somebody's helmet, flew 20 yards in the air, and he caught it on the sideline. So uh, Julio Jones, basically a non-factor. A.J. Brown's been dinged up as well, so their offense in terms of wide receiver weapons has been very bad. So maybe a little bit unfair for me to say Ryan Tannehill hasn't performed up to standard based on the players that he has available to him at the percentage health that they have. But I'm still willing to say that statement because their replacements are not very good either. Next, Tyrod Taylor dinged up, had a hamstring injury a few weeks ago. He was placed on IR, I believe, or he's been out at least three weeks, so he might as well have been on IR. He's close to returning. Now, Davis Mills has had one good game and the rest have been bad, uh, and the Texans need to figure out what's going on in terms of in terms of Deshaun Watson. We're going to get to some uh, two big news updates after we do the fantasy football segment uh, before we do the best bets. So we'll talk about some two, so two quarterback updates, uh, one of them being Deshaun Watson, which is a bit of a teaser. So you guys can look forward to that in a few minutes. But Tyrod Taylor doesn't know if he's going to start on this team because he doesn't know if the Texans are going to just let the rookie play and see what they have from him uh, or actually try and win football games because they're in a a bit of a predicament there. Uh, They know their team's bad. uh, They know their defense is bad. uh, And they know Davis Mills has a long way to go until he's even decent at the quarterback position in the NFL. But if Tyrod Taylor is 100%, I would 100% bring him back in, 100%. Uh, because you you cannot watch, uh, nobody wants to watch Davis Mills be absolutely terrible in a football game. They played well against New England with a few trick plays. He kind of played way above where his skill set is. But I, I don't expect anything good to come from Davis Mills this season. 
So I think learning from Tyrod, getting some more practice reps might actually be beneficial, uh, whereas I think in terms of other rookie quarterbacks like Trey Lance, playing would be more beneficial. Uh, and speaking of Trey Lance, speak of the devil, he's the last one on the injury list, uh, knee injury, uh, he got a sprain a week before their bye, their bye was last week, he received the sprain the week before, uh, it didn't look like he was injured anywhere in that game, didn't look like he was limping, he wasn't favoring anything, and then all of a sudden it popped up on the injury report and I was a little confused, I uh, went back and watched the replays, uh, in the third and fourth quarter, it didn't look like he was dealing with a sprain, but it's apparently a big enough issue. Uh, and Jimmy Garoppolo came back from his calf injury this week to practice, so it looks like about at least a 75 to 80% chance that Jimmy Jimmy G starts this week if he continues to practice with no setbacks. So keep that in mind if for any reason one anyone out there is thinking about starting Trey Lance in fantasy, which a very ballsy decision, but I respect you for doing it. All right, that'll be the injuries. Like I always say, keep an eye on the injury report. Uh, see if any of these players, whether they be on your fantasy team or your favorite football team in general, see what's going on. Uh, like I said, you can check. They usually, uh, the online on NFL.com, uh, you can see the injury reports for your team and who practiced and in what capability each day, starting with Wednesday. So they go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday, the walkthrough, you usually figure out if they're going to play and what the chances are. So keep an eye on these players if that is the situation you are in. All right, and per usual, the fantasy football likes and dislikes for this week. We are going to start with the dislikes this week. Number one, Lamar Jackson versus the Cincinnati Bengals. You're questioning it. In your brain, I know you are, all the listeners out there, as to why I would say that. The Bengals' defense looks pretty good. Now, why? I have no idea. I've looked at the roster. I've mentioned this before. I've looked at the roster. I've seen it. I've watched them play, and it's completely different. This team looks like they're gelling on defense. It looks pretty good, and they're not giving up a whole lot. They're not giving up a, a crazy amount of yards. Now, they haven't played a, a player like Lamar Jackson. So it's going to be hard for fantasy football owners to sit there and bench Lamar Jackson. I get that. I just don't like him having a huge game this week. Didn't run the ball very effectively last week in terms of Lamar Jackson-esque. And he seemed a little off in terms of some of his throws. Now, he did throw for a lot of yards in that Monday night football game against the Colts. So, yes, he did have a good game, but I think the Bengals are going to give him enough of a problem uh, so that he doesn't have a great game. So if you're in a league where you have multiple quarterbacks being able to start or if your league isn't as deep in terms of amount of players, so if you're in an eight-person league or a 10-person league and not a 12 you might be able to have two solid quarterbacks and might be able to get a better matchup than Lamar at Cincinnati. Next on the list, on the flip side, Jamar Chase versus Baltimore. Listen, Jamar Chase has played amazing so far this season. The defenses they've played so far have been a bit suspect, and I think the Baltimore Ravens have seen enough of Jamar Chase to be able to shut him down. So I do like... On the flip side, every other Cincinnati receiver and tight end. 
which is not on my likes list, but based on the way where I'm talking about it now, I just don't think Jamar Chase is going to have a huge game this week. I'm looking at him being quite average, maybe five for 50, maybe four for 45, something relatively average, and he's going to be able to be shut down with safety help over the top, as well as pretty decent corners, even without Marcus Peters for the Baltimore Ravens. Next on my list, we talked about him already, Terry McLaurin versus Green Bay. He did not look good against Kansas City. Kansas City's defense, not very good, especially the secondary. So uh, I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of starting him this week unless at some point somebody says, other than him, that he's 100%. If he's 100%, then go for it. The, the Green Bay Packers have one half-decent corner. The rest are absolutely terrible with the exit of Jair Alexander, who is still hurt. Uh, and was placed on IR, so uh, I just don't like McLaurin this week against Green Bay. I think it's going to be a relatively low-scoring game as well, uh, with Washington's defense actually coming alive maybe, uh, because they've been getting absolutely slammed online and throughout every media outlet because of what was expected from their defense going into this season. So I think at some point that's going to hit their head, and they're going to figure out, wow, we need to, what is happening to our defense? This is basically what they're going to say, and they're going to end up playing. So I think that's the week this week. Uh, It also helps that I need Green Bay to lose a lot of football games as a Vikings fan and trying to win this division, which is almost unrealistic, but I won't, I won't lose my entire, my entire outlook on it. So uh, I'm just not a fan of it. The next three are all teams and all receivers, all for different reasons. Uh, first is all of the Arizona wide receivers, um, wide receive. Sorry, all the Arizona Cardinals wide receivers this week against Houston. Two reasons why I don't like this. Number one, Kyler Murray does an amazing job spreading the ball around. It's it's unbelievable where you almost end up with the same amount of points because DeAndre Hopkins will have not that many catches but two touchdowns, and AJ Green will have a lot of catches and no touchdowns. So, and then against Houston, they're probably going to be up. This is the largest spread that I've seen in a game opening up for this week that I've ever seen in an NFL game. Right now, it's Houston, Texas plus Houston, Houston Texans plus 17 and a half. That's four scores. That's four scores. That's unbelievable. That is literally unbelievable, and I don't see them coming up. And with the running backs that they have, uh, and the bad defense that Houston has, I don't see I don't see the reason for Kyler to throw a pass in the second half. Maybe even before that. So I don't I don't trust it. They're going to get up big, and they're going to get up early. So I don't see a reason to like any of these wide receivers for the Arizona Cardinals. Next on the list, all of the Tampa Bay wide receivers against Chicago. Once again, similar situation, uh, but for a different reason. So, I've already mentioned, I've already mentioned multiple times about how much I don't trust Tom Brady throwing the football to one singular person in a game because he spreads the ball around very well, especially between the wide receivers, tight end, and backs out of the backfield. Uh, Fournette and Gio Bernard have been involved. All OJ Howard and Cameron Braid have been involved with Rob Gronkowski out. And then you have four or five wide receivers that can catch the football at any single time. Chicago's defense is good. They lost to Chicago last year. 
but it was in Chicago. This year, it's in Tampa Bay. So I, I see this as another game where it may be a lot lower scoring than people think. I think I think Tampa Bay still wins the game, and we'll get into that at a later time uh, for the preview segment later in the week. But I just don't trust starting any of the like. If you had to tie me to a poll and tell me you wouldn't let me go until I picked, I would probably start Chris Godwin this week. Probably uh, because the corners for the Chicago Bears are relatively good, and the second corner will probably be on. Godwin or they'll shift him in the slot. He'll be on the third corner, uh, but Antonio Brown's also involved, and you don't know what position on the field in terms of the hot routes uh, and the checks for Tom, where where each player is going to be at. Uh, so it's very hard to pick, but uh, Anto- all three of them are very – it's very risky to start at all three of them because they could all go for six for 55 yards, and he throws touchdowns to Gio Bernard, Cameron Brayton, O.J. Howard. So the possibility of a blowout is still there. So I I just don't like any of the Tampa Bay, specifically any of the Tampa Bay wide receivers or pass catchers. And lastly, on the flip side, all the Chicago wide receivers versus Tampa Bay. Now, another slightly different situation where Tampa Bay's defensive backs are awful. They're all backups. Everybody is hurt. Everyone is hurt. On, in that secondary, every starting player, the starting corners are hurt, the starting safeties are hurt. But the problem is, I don't think that Justin Fields is going to stay in the pocket long enough to figure out how to get the ball to these to these players. Darnell Mooney, Allen Robinson, you've you've got a you have a plethora. Cole Komet, you have a plethora of playmakers that are going to be open. But can the Chicago terrible offensive line give Justin Fields enough time? And will Justin Fields stay in the pocket long enough without running to find one of them? I don't trust it. I don't trust it at all. And Chicago's not going to be able to run the football either with David Montgomery dinged up on IR. And then you have uh, Damian Williams, who is still on the COVID list. And it's Wednesday. He was put on the COVID list last Monday. So, I, who knows? You got the rookie Khalil Herbert that's been playing well, but I, I don't know. I think Justin Fields tries to run the ball at least 15 times because he's he's scared shitless in the pocket of the d- defensive front seven for the Tampa Bay Bucks. <clears throat> I am going to get a lot of hate for this, uh, but I will explain myself. So, listen in and pay attention. On the dislikes list, Derrick Henry versus Kansas City. A lot of people are going to disagree with me, and that is absolutely fine because you are entitled to your opinion. However, two major reasons why I do this. Number one, Chris Jones has officially been moved back to D-tackle and will probably be healthy enough to play in this game. Now, pre is probable uh, via his practice status, and what I've heard online in terms of media outlets, in terms of blogs, all the things that I've seen points to Chris Jones starting this week against Tennessee. Chris Jones is a monster in the middle, a monster. Getting Derrick Henry off his spot is what you need to do, and then you need to gang tackle him. The Chiefs' defense is not that bad at tackling. They just can't get through. Chris Jones should have never been moved to defensive end. doesn't matter if he requested it, if they thought it was a good idea. It wasn't. 
because any presence in the middle is not Chris Jones. And you, all you got to do is chip him on a, on a, as a defensive end. All you got to do is chip him and get him help and get whoever the tackle is, get the tackle help, and he will be absolutely taken out of the football game. Which is why anyone who watches football always wants both of their defensive ends to be solid. They both don't need to be all-stars, but they both need to be solid so that one can make a difference. Chris Jones is going to make that difference in the middle. Now, Kansas City played well on defense last week against Washington. Washington can run the football pretty well, and they can throw the football decently. Not well, but decently. Ryan Tannehill cannot figure out how to throw the football this year uh, because, number one, most of his players are injured, but number two, he just doesn't look confident. So let's see how this goes. I think that Derrick Henry gets shut down. Second reason is he cannot continue to play at this clip. Like, there's no way that he's going to continue to play at this clip. Now, he has 10 touchdowns through seven weeks. He's leading rushing in the league by over 150 yards over Nick Chubb, who probably won't play this week. So he's he's on a record pace right now for, for rushing statistics, and he's already rushed for over 2,000 in a season. So I, I see this as a flip-flop game in terms of how it will go. I think that the Tennessee Titans are going to be forced to throw more than they want, and Kansas City is going to realize that the Tennessee defense is not as bad as they thought. So this game is going to go a completely different direction than most people would think it would. They've played the previous few years. It's always been a high-scoring game. I still see it being relatively high, maybe upper 20s. But I think Derrick Henry gets neutralized in this football game. Uh, the one thing that I will hurt me in this guess is Tennessee, even if they're getting blown out, will never stop running with him. It's not like they get down and they abandon the run like most teams would. They, they I, I think they're going to continue to try, and it's going to end up being, it's going to end up being a different outcome than people are expecting. Let's flip flop over to the likes for fantasy football this week. J.D. McKissick versus the Green Bay Packers. Listen, Heine, Taylor Heineke has struggled, struggled mightily this year. J.D. McKissick can help with the dump the dump downs and against a very piss poor linebacking crew with the Green Bay Packers. They have a bit of a rush if they have their players healthy. Uh, looks like they're going to sign Whitney Merciless. Sources say that he should sign by end of day, uh, which is going to be huge for their defense. Um, and I don't like seeing it, obviously, because I do not like the Packers. But it, it, the, it's going to be a problem. And I think McKissick has that big play ability. Uh, with Antonio Gibson being dinged up and probably out, uh, he can focus on what he's good at, and that's catching screen passes, running short routes, and and taking advantage of the mismatches that he's going to get uh, against the Green Bay Packers defense. Next, Corey Davis versus the New England Patriots. Did any of you people out there see the Dallas Cowboys completely embarrass the defense of Bill Belichick? Well, guess what? Everybody underestimates the Jets. I think Zach Wilson is is bad, but he's not as bad as people say he is. And Corey Davis is a good wide receiver. Now, the Jets have a lot of players that they can consider their number one. Uh, Jamison Crowder, great player, does more of the smaller Jarvis Landry type routes. Good. They got Elijah Moore, the speedster. He runs good routes as well. His hands are iffy, uh, but he's fast. And then Corey Davis, who has a little hybrid of, of both. He's pretty quick. 
He can run very decent routes, and his hands are good. So I think Corey Davis takes advantage of this New England team. I think New England still wins the game, uh, but Corey Davis has an opportunity here to definitely blow out in terms of fantasy production. Next on the list, Mike Gusecki versus the Falcons. The Falcons' defense is atrocious. Uh, They did win the last two games and only gave up mid-20s, but they played out of their quote-unquote asses to do so uh, and against subpar teams. So Mike Gusecki should have a big game this week. Tua likes Mike Gusecki. Uh, He's a great big target with good hands. Uh, I see him having a decent amount of target share when playing fantasy football in the tight end position. If you don't end up with Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, Uh, you need to go for highest target share because that gives you your best chance to have the most amount of points. And I think Mike Gusecki here, for all you fantasy owners of him out there, I think he has a potential to have a very big game. Next, another tight end, Hunter Henry versus the Jets. The Jets defense has been completely, completely blown out of the water with injuries. They have nothing close to an NFL caliber linebacking crew, uh, nor are their safeties very good either. Uh, so I think Hunter Henry, who's been having a way bigger target share than Jonu Smith for them, and he has been making more catches and all of the touchdown targets as well. So I like Hunter Henry versus the Jets. Uh, for everyone out there skeptical as to his performance so far, uh, as well as Jonu Smith, I think both of them have a decent day uh, with Mac Jones being a little bit weak in terms of finding his receivers down the field at a decent clip. Next on the list, Chuba Hubbard versus the Giants. I uh, like Chuba Hubbard here. The Giants have been absolutely terrible on defense. Uh, their offense isn't good either, so their defense is playing uh, from behind most of the time. They are dealing with a lot of injuries in terms of their defensive line. Uh, their D-tack, One of their D-tackles, Danny Shelton, great, great player. Uh, he's going to be out. They, they're dinged up at defensive end. They're dinged up at D-tackle. I think that there's a very good chance Chuba Hubbard has some big lanes to run through in this game. And based on the way Sam Darnold has performed uh, via throwing the ball through the air the past few weeks, I think a running game, having a good support for him, is going to do him wonders, uh, and he's going to have a bounce-back game. Next on the list, Calvin Ridley returns versus the Dolphins. Uh, The Dolphins' secondary is completely depleted. Xavier Howard's dinged up. Byron Jones is dinged up. Their rookies or young corners last week got burnt by Jacksonville Jaguar players, which uh, besides Marvin Jones Jr., who is probably one of the best small 50-50 ball catch players I've ever seen. Uh, I watched every single second of that London game last week. Marvin Jones is a very good uh, pass catcher on a 50-50 ball like every target for him that's a 50-50 ball seems like he has an opportunity to catch it at at least a 90% clip, which is amazing. He makes catches that that uh, Calvin Johnson used to make, but he's only and he's small. He's not big, so very very impressive the way Marvin Jones has looked for Trevor Lawrence, which is very good for his development as well. But I think it's good. It's just it's just good. Let's talk about the last person on the list, Michael Pittman Jr. Mike Pittman Jr. So, oh, I mentioned in the injury segment about T.Y. Hilton being dinged up as well as uh, the Ohio State wide receiver, Paris Campbell, uh, possibly being out for the year, definitely being out this week. 
Mike Pittman Jr. has been well, been doing well so far this season in terms of his routes run, and uh, his target share has been a little bit lower. Uh, but with T.Y. Hilton dinged up and with uh, – he's going to get more targets in this game. And San Francisco's secondary is absolutely terrible. They are not good. They can't stop anyone. Now, their front seven is relatively good, and they can get at the quarterback, but they've been dinged up as well. Injury bugs got them two years in a row now. So I think that there's an opportunity for for Pittman Jr. to to excel in this game and catch at least one TD. Uh, that's a good bet to make if you want would like to make that bet now uh, for a TD score as Mike Pittman Jr. So probably get some good odds in that. I, I just like it. Uh, Carson Wentz has looked good. They, they look okay on offense. Now, Quentin Nelson's dinged up as well on the offensive line. Their offensive line is okay. I think they're good enough, uh, but he's going to have to get open quick, and he will be able to do that uh, against a very piss-poor secondary in the San Francisco 49ers. All right, I mentioned there's going to be a new segment on two quarterbacks, um, so let's go over that before we get to our Thursday night football best bets. Deshaun Watson. Uh, Deshaun Watson, Miami Dolphins look like they're close to making an offer uh, to try and trade for him, uh, and this thing gets finalized as soon as the end of this week. I, I have no idea why my the Miami Dolphins think that this is a good idea. I have no idea. It, the, the risk versus reward for this is unbelievable. It, it's almost, un, it's almost in, unimaginable. How an organization worth more than probably $4 billion is willing to give up three years worth of draft picks for a player that may be in jail for multiple decades. If, if Deshaun Watson is, is found guilty of, of these crimes uh, in terms of sexual harassment, uh, sexual abuse, whatever he did with these massage therapists... This is this is going to be the biggest blunder in NFL history in terms of trying to acquire a player. It's unbelievable. And and honestly, I think that it's a little bit of a counter reaction to how bad Tua has played so far this season, and they're trying to the, like the it's almost like the front office is trying to reboot and try and recover from how bad Tua has played and how bad that pick was instead of Justin Herbert. They just need to pump the brakes and relax. There is no way that you're giving up players plus multiple first-round draft picks for this player. Yes, granted, on the field, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. And he hasn't really played for a team that has had solid a solidarity in terms of defense and offense. There was a few years they made it to the playoffs where their defense was just good enough and their offensive weapons were just good enough for them to get by. And, and don't get me wrong, a strong Miami Dolphins roster plus Deshaun Watson is a playoff-bound possible Super Bowl roster. But how in the how on God's green earth are you going to give up all of this for this player? And you have no they must, they must. And the only way I would do it is if they knew what was going on. And nobody knows what's going on with within this this these legal issues. No one knows if he's on a on a track to get to get back in the NFL. No one knows if he's uh, on a track to be suspended uh, for a while. Uh, nobody knows if he actually did it. Nobody knows if he actually didn't do it. It, it. There's a lot of moving pieces in this. And granted, there's no possible way that they make this decision without doing reasonable background checks on all of this. 
But this is the probably the most ballsiest decision I've ever seen or heard of in the NFL ever. Like, there is no possible way. There were links to Sean Watson to the Vikings. I was praying that that wasn't true. We already have a bad time trying to draft players that perform. Better yet, giving up three years worth of our best picks for a player that ends up in jail. Or possibly even suspended. And who knows what even he does when he comes back. How does he even come back from this? How does he play when he comes back from this? Or if he ever comes back from this? It's it's astronomical how crazy this decision is. If he gets traded to the Dolphins, like I would rather have Jacoby Brissett play for three years than trade for Deshaun Watson right now. You know what you get with Jacoby. You have an opportunity to go out and possibly get a replacement, whether it's in free agency, take a shot at a at a very cheap draft pick that you don't have to pay that much money where you're not basically tanking your organization in terms of the best players in college football for multiple years to, to, to put all that trust in this player who you don't even know is going to be able to play. Granted, how much you're going to have to pay him. Like, he, he's still on a deal right now. So if you trade for him, you still have to pay him an astronomical amount of money. He's making at least $40, $40 million a year. Right now, I think he signed a four-year, $160 million contract. I don't remember if that was last offseason or the offseason before. I can't remember, but even so, this is this is insanity. This is insanity that this is actually able to be a thing right now. Like I said, there, there's two reasons I see them doing this. Number one, they know that this man will help them win a Super Bowl now, which is impossible, almost impossible since they're one in five. Number two, you have no idea when he's going to find out the verdict of whether he did this, whether he didn't do it, or what the verdict is. You're not going to find that out until next year. So you have to make this decision blind. This is this is like taking $4 million and playing it on one spin of a slot machine. This It's unbelievable. It's literally, I, can't believe, I cannot believe that, the, that a football team is taking a chance on this man right now. He needs to fix whatever he's going on with outside the outside the game of football. He needs to figure out what's going on. And I I don't know if he's is he practicing? What is he doing? I have no idea what he's doing. Is he practicing well? Is he keeping in shape? What is he sitting on on his couch doing nothing? What is he doing? He's not allowed to play. He's not they told him not to practice. They 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 won't let him dress. So like what's going on? It's it's just a lot. So updates on that if if anything breaks with that news, I will definitely have it on the next episode. Um, as well as encouraging you guys to, to try and do some research on it as well on your own. And the second quarterback thing, Cam Newton. So Cam Newton's been getting calls from multiple teams. Uh, there's confirmation that Pete Carroll with the Seattle Seahawks with Russ Wilson, Russell Wilson being injured uh, for a, a decent amount of time that they've talked to Cam Newton as well. He said that he's he's narrowing down the best place for him personally uh, and he's going to give it a go uh, we don't know what those official teams are we know Seattle is one of them uh, I don't know what other team right now I can think of like you can project any team where that an offensive quarterback is struggling right now but Cam Newton's not a good football player anymore he's not I, I don't see where he's beneficial in what system he's only beneficial in a and possibly a Lamar Jackson type uh, QB option system where he doesn't have to throw the ball more than 20 yards. It just doesn't look good. If you go back to last year and look at Cam Newton's throws in the pocket, 
they they look awful. He's skipping guys five, seven yards ahead of him. He, he's overthrowing people because he's trying to overcompensate. He's getting older. He's not as fast. He He's good in a red zone type. Uh, Jacoby Brissett gets used similar to this uh, with the he did it with the Colts but now he kind of does it with the Dolphins where he comes in third and short can make a throw if he needs to but can definitely pick up the first down on his on his own uh, running he did that Cam did that with New England inside the 10 yard line inside the 20 yard line he had twice as many rushing rushing touchdowns as he did passing touchdowns it's it's unbelievable I just don't know what team would trust Cam Newton. And what what are you paying him? God only knows what you're paying him. Like I, I wouldn't pay, I would pay him two million dollars, if that. He hasn't he has no tape that says he's worth more than that. Unless he's starting, you can't pay him as a backup five million dollars. What's he gonna do then? So I it's gonna be a very calculated decision by some of these teams that need a need a quarterback on the team. Now what, court, people might take shots for him because of his veteran veteran presence, uh, his leadership, stuff like that. But what is that worth? Like what it all comes down to money in the NFL at the end of the day. It comes down to money. Now, very few instances there's teams and guys that gel so much that the money's not worth it, they're just gonna stay there. They might take a pay cut. They might be willing to do that. They might be willing to do that for the team that they love to play for. But I don't see – I only see Cam Newton as a backup. I do not see him starting for an NFL football team right now. I just don't. All right, and we finally reached the Thursday Night Football Best Bet segment. So, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Baker Mayfield out this week. Jerry Judy probably not going to play. Uh, Kareem Hunt's out. Nick Chubb probably out. There's a lot of players out. Uh, and via DraftKings, there's not a very much confidence in uh, Case Keenum and or a lot of the wide receivers uh, for this. So I don't blame them for not posting them up for player props uh, in any any type of that kind of bet. Uh, so I have your four best bets for Thursday Night Football, guys. Here we go. Number one, Broncos plus two. I, I got to take the Broncos plus the points here. I'm even confident taking the Broncos money line in this game. There are way too many injuries to overcome. I've been hearing that Case Keenum has been, as, as a, is a great quarterback because he took the Vikings to the NFC, NFC championship game and he didn't perform well. Uh, the Minnesota Miracle year, he played very well for one year. The rest of the years he played for every other team, he was not good. I don't see him stepping in and just all of a sudden lighting the world on fire. Uh, there's a quote out there. He said, uh, I was built for this. Uh, okay, I get it. You're, you're a backup. But I don't see him I don't see him lighting the world on fire in this football game. I I will I will I would take the Broncos plus the points uh just to cover it just in case something crazy happens. Uh, but I see the Broncos winning this game outright, to be honest. So take the money line if you're confident there. But I don't need the points, but I'll take them at plus two with the Broncos plus two. Next, I'm going to go with the over of 41 and a half. Uh, there's a lot of defensive players on the uh, Browns that are hurt. I see this potentially going into a point where they're going to be down by double digits for most of this football game. They're 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 hurt everywhere on defense in the back end, uh, in the front seven, at the cornerback position. They're just hurt everywhere. They're just dinged up and hurt everywhere. The last few games they played, they got roasted. 
uh, by multiple teams uh, that have a the Broncos have a potential. They have playmakers on offense. They have decent route runners. They have decent wide receivers. They have a great tight end. They have two good running backs, one and a half good running backs. If you don't believe in Melvin Gordon anymore, which I, honestly I I don't blame you. But they split carries uh, with the he splits carries with the rookie Javante Williams, but. I see this going into a point where I think the Broncos score at least 17, which means all I need is the Broncos to score 22. So, sorry, not 22, 24. I see the Broncos scoring close to 30, and it's not going to be hard, I don't think, against a very dinged-up Browns defense. I just just, don't think that the Browns have enough strength of roster to fill the voids of all dinged-up players on their football team right now. And, and OBJ is still disgruntled. I, I just, I don't know. I just don't see it. So I'm going with the over of 41 and a half. Over, 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 over. Next, uh, the two-player props. Number one, Javante Williams to score a TD. Probably a rushing TD, if I had to guess. Uh, but if you can get either rushing or receiving touchdown, uh, anytime scorer, that's a good bet to make. I like the rookie here. I think that the Broncos are going to spend a lot of time in enemy territory here. So uh, that's a very good bet to make. Now, sometimes you get screwed in these bets, and Melvin Gordon, who splits carries with him, may end up with the touchdown versus him. But I think Javante Williams is more of a power back uh, and has been playing better in terms of uh, runs, sorry, uh, yards per rush this this year uh, and he's also been very available in the in the screen game uh which I don't see an issue with him getting close to a touchdown if and if scoring as well so I uh, definitely like Javante Williams to score a TD uh anytime score if you can get that as well last one on the list Case Keenum under one and a half touchdowns thrown I I don't know I just I don't believe in Case Keenum coming in and lighting the world on fire I just talked about it so it's it, it. I think he has one. I don't think he has two. Now this bets a little bit. I would say this was probably the worst in terms of odds that I would say would hit in this game uh, because of the potential garbage time. So Case Keenum may have one already, but they, then they may go down by twenty-one with seven minutes left, uh, and he might get a late one. But the Broncos' defense is solid. Uh, they are dealing with a few injuries. Uh, Bradley Chubb's been dinged up. Uh, but their cornerbacks have been played, been playing very well. So I think that the Broncos have enough to stop Keenum from throwing two touchdowns, uh, but I'm not very confident in it. There's not a lot of bets I want to make in this game for player props because of the confidence level that I have in these teams uh, in terms of pass yards, in terms of TDs thrown, in terms of receptions for the running back. It's just, it, there's a lot to be tossed up in the air, and I don't feel that confident. But if I had to pick one uh, in terms of a QB prop, I would pick Case Keenum under one and a half touchdowns. All right, guys, hopefully those bets hit. Uh, this, that'll be the end of this episode. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Please like, share, comment uh, on the podcast. Uh, Please leave a review on Apple or Google Podcast. Feel free to leave me a direct message in Facebook Messenger. Leave a comment on my wall. Uh, Cole Hates, C-O-L-E-H-A-Y-D-T, on Facebook. If you guys want to leave a comment there, I would really appreciate it. Uh, Tell a friend, uh, tell a coworker, uh, tell a family member, tell anyone uh, about the podcast. I love talking to you guys on a very wonderful Wednesday. We'll be back 
for sure uh, to do our preview segment for the week seven slate. Uh, that episode will be out Friday afternoon. Uh, this one should be out either Wednesday night uh, or maybe early Thursday morning. Usually most of the platforms upload the same day. So you, this should be available for Wednesday night, but it will definitely be available uh, before the Thursday night football game this week. So um, uh, keep an eye on on some of these injuries. Uh, good luck in fantasy football. I actually got a win this week in fantasy football. So my team is actually now two and four. Uh, but now the bye weeks have started. So uh, fantasy managers, uh, make sure you manage your buy your buy your players on your bye week. Uh, so you make sure that you don't take a big old goose egg for those players if you end up accidentally starting them uh, while they're not actually playing. So thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, great talking to you, and have a wonderful day. And like I always say, peace.